We are in the second part of a three-part series entitled The Altar of Your Heart, The Altar of Your Heart. And in a few moments, we're going to take a reading from 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4 following. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4 following. Last week, we began by explaining that the greatest work of the Holy Spirit on the earth today is in the hearts of men and women. And that your heart is the irreducible you. It's the core of who you are from which all the issues of life flow. Jesus said that out of somebody's heart, evil flows. But also out of someone's heart, good can flow. The heart is the center of your being. It's the holy of holies where the altar of devotion to God is found. And that the New Testament says that we can look at the Old Testament imagery of temples and priests and sacrifice and apply them to our lives as Christians today. Last week, we focused on the fact that we are the temples of the Holy Spirit if we're believers here today. And that means that everything that God did in the temples in the Old Testament, he now does in the temples of Christians who are New Testament believers today. So just as in the Old Testament, the temple was where God would manifest his glory, like on the day when Solomon dedicated the altar. So God has come by his Holy Spirit to live in our hearts. As there is intercession in the Old Testament temple, so there is intercession in God's New Testament temple, in the hearts of men and women, etc., etc., And today we're going to have a look at what it means to be a priest, because as well as you being the temple of the Holy Spirit, you're also a priest. And then next week we'll finish the series by looking at what does it mean to be a living sacrifice. All this temple imagery, you're a temple, you're a priest, and you're a living sacrifice. We're going to read from 1 Peter 2 verse 4 following, and you're going to see these elements of, of spiritual stones, temple, You're going to see the element of priesthood and the element of sacrifice as we read 1 Peter 2 verse 4. And coming to him, Jesus, as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, as living stones, are being built up in a spiritual house for a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value then is for you who believe. But for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offence. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word and to this doom they were also appointed. But you... You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy." We are the temples of the Holy Spirit. We looked at that last week. God has chosen no longer to dwell in buildings made of stone, 
but he's chosen to dwell in human temples and especially in the altars of their hearts. God dwells in you if you believe here today and God dwells in me. But it's bigger than this because not only are we individually the temples of the Holy Spirit, but we're spiritual stones. And when we're placed together, we build and magnify that temple many, many, many times so that the temple of God is no longer on a hill in Jerusalem, but the temple of God is made up of every believing Christian all the way around the world. What an incredible temple that is. Some tiny temple on Jerusalem? No. But a temple made of millions and millions and millions of believers. And the temple, those stones put together, makes the body of Christ or the temple of God or the activity of God on earth today. And that's why we see these living stones mentioned here, built on the foundation stone, which is, of course, Jesus And so we are living stones. We are the temples of the Holy Spirit, which means that all the things that were pictures of God's temple in heaven that took place in the Old Testament temple or tabernacle, all the work of God, the temple activity of the Old Testament now takes place in your life and takes place in my life. So we'd better know what the temple activity is. And today we're going to focus on the priestly activity in the temple. Because not only are you God's temple of the Holy Spirit on earth today, but you, as we have just read today, are also a royal priesthood. In Old Testament times, you had to be from a certain race, the Jews, and then a certain tribe uh, in order to be part of the, the, the priests of the temple, the Levites. But today, it doesn't matter what tribe you're from, what nation you're from, It doesn't matter whether you're male or female, slave or owner. As Paul said, if you believe in Jesus, you qualify to become one of his priests. Well, what did the priests do back then in the Old Testament? And what do we do now in the New Testament? Now, when we start talking about priests and temples and sacrifices, there's a danger here, especially for those of us that have a Western type of mentality where we think of sacrifice, or we think of temples, and we think of priests, and some might be here today, and and you would think, what has this got to do with my life today? Maybe some of your children just got their results, or maybe you got your results last week, or you're waiting for your results next week, and you're thinking temples, priests in dresses, incense, blood, altars, ritual, buildings. What has this got to do with my life? What has this got to do with my problems? What has this got to do with my career? What has this got to do with, my, with, with everything that's part of daily living? Well, let me tell you something. It's got everything to do with your life. Because if God's temple wasn't in operation in the Old Testament, everything else in Israel would seize up. The temple and the priests of the Old Testament, they were appointed by God for his ministry on earth. They were just a picture of heavenly things, the book of Hebrews tells us. A heavenly temple, a heavenly holy of holy, a heavenly sacrifice that Jesus would give on the cross when he shed his blood for the sins of the world and then took his blood into the holy of holies. Not a holy of holies made by men, but a holy of holies, the eternal holy of holies in heaven. And there he makes intercession for us today. Imagine, for example, if the priests in the Old Testament had gone on strike. What would happen? 
If the Levitical priests downed tools and went to their homes and said, no more, no more incense, no more blood, no more sacrifice, no more praise and worship in the temple, what would happen? Do you think things would just go on as if nothing had taken place? Do you think that, that, that people's lives, their daily lives, their family lives, their agricultural lives, their business lives, do you think they would just carry on as normal whether there was temple ministry or not? No. If the priests went on strike, then the whole of God's activity on earth would seize up. There would be no more blood to oil the ministry of God's grace to his people. God gave us the temple and the priests for a purpose. And that purpose speaks of greater things, eternal things. And so if the Old Testament sacrifices were necessary for God to bestow his grace on his people, for the priest to go in and out and, do, and go to God on behalf of the people and then go back to the people on behalf of God, if that was essential to God's interaction with mankind in those days, how much more is the activity of the temple of the Holy Spirit yourself and your priestly ministry will come to being a living sacrifice next week, but how much more is your priestly ministry important for God's activities on earth today? What did the Old Testament priests do? Well, they were called to make sacrifice on behalf of the people. Their ministry was a blood ministry. Animals were sacrificed for sin and there was a constant shedding of blood and applying to the altar. They were responsible for ministering to the Lord. A lot of their time was taking up just praising the Lord and ministering to the Lord and worshipping the Lord. And they were there also to pray and intercede for the people. A priest spoke to God on behalf of the people. They were an intercessor. But the priests were also there to teach God's laws, God's, God's ways to the people they were there to speak to God on behalf of the people, but they were also there to speak to the people on behalf of God. One of the great rediscoveries of the Bible truths that Luther made 500 years ago was the priesthood of all believers. I mentioned a little bit earlier, you don't have to be a Jew or a Levite to be a priest today. You just have to be a believer in Jesus. And as you read, you have become a royal priesthood. We're all equal under God and we can all approach God as priests for ourselves and for other people. There is no such thing as a priestly class that is separated from other uh, people in the body of Christ. All of us are priests. You don't have to go down to a particular church to see a priest to make intercession for you. You can go to God through Jesus by yourself. We're all priests. But that doesn't mean because we're all priests, therefore the priestly ministry isn't an important one. In fact, the priestly ministry is the most important part of your life. I want to explain to you today that to understand what you are as a temple of the Holy Spirit and how to function as that, and also how to function as a priest, is not some sort of religious act you might do on a service on a Sunday or in a cell group, or something that, that you would do on top of real life. But actually your temple ministry, your priestly ministry and your living sacrifice that we'll talk about next week is the centre and the basis of the rest of the life that you live. 
Before you're a student, you're a priest. Before you're a business person, you're a priest. Before you are a husband, you're a priest. Before you're a wife, you're a priest. Before you're a politician, you're a priest. Before you're anything, you're a priest. And everything else that God has called you to be in the marketplace comes out of this understanding of who you are and that God works on earth in temples and priests and through sacrifices. And guess what? You're the temple, you're the priest, and you're the sacrifice. Now, a priesthood without blood is no priesthood at all. And the temple, the Old Testament temple, the tabernacle, it was full of blood. Animals were being sacrificed left, right, and center for years and decades. Blood, blood was the ministry of the priests. And one day, one day, once a year, the high priest would go into the holy of holies of the temple and the tabernacle. And into that holy of holies, that priest would bring blood on the day of atonement for the whole nation's sin. And he would take the blood and he would apply it and sprinkle it on the mercy seat. Now, what is the mercy seat? Well, if you know anything about Moses and the Ark of the Covenant, that the, the big box that the priests used to carry around... Well, in that box was the uh, Ten Commandments, obviously, and a few other things, the covenant. But on top of that box, they had uh, made a golden lid. And that golden lid also on each side had two golden angels and their wings were covering the top of the box and their faces were looking right down, protecting, covering, as it were, as an image of the glory of God that that ark portrayed. Now, that golden covering is what was called the mercy seat. And that's where, on the day of the atonement, that the high priest, can we do this once, would come and he'd put blood on that mercy seat. And if God accepted the sacrifice, sins would be covered or forgiven for, for, for that year. Now, imagine it. He only went in once a year, but each year he did this. Year after year, Decade after decade, century after century. It wouldn't be uh, an awful long time before that mercy uh, lid or the mercy seat, that golden lid would be covered with dried cake blood because they didn't go in and send in the cleaners afterwards to polish it up for next year. It would be encrusted with this blood. Now, this is important for us to understand because well, let me put it this way. My favorite verse in the New Testament is found in 1 John 4, verse 10. 1 John 4, verse 10. And it says, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and gave his son as a propitiation for our sins. Now, that word propitiation is one of the most important words you could come across in the New Testament that word propitiation means to satisfy the righteous anger of God against human sin. God has a reaction to human sin and rebellion. And it is righteous and it is angry and it is what we call God's wrath. Somebody's going to have to pay for your sins. Jesus paid for your sins. And he, when he died on the cross and shed his blood, he brought a propitiation. God looked at the blood of his son, 
and said, that's enough. That has paid for all the sins of the world, past, present, and future. And if anyone trusts in the blood of Jesus, then their sins will be forgiven them. Now, this word propitiation in the Greek, the New Testament is written in Greek, is basically the same word as mercy seat. Isn't that interesting? To sat, the word to satisfy God's righteous anger against sin is the same word that is used for the mercy seat, that golden covering that the blood was applied on. The blood does things to the Father. And so if we are priests, then what is our role? What do we to do? As, well, like the Old Testament priests, our role is to worship and minister to God. Our role is to intercede, to pray for one another and to intercede for a lost and dying, dying world. But we also need to understand how to apply the blood, the blood of Jesus. If any man sins, he has an advocate in heaven, Christ Jesus. And uh, he is faithful and making intercession on our behalf. And his blood will cleanse us from all sins. Jesus died around 2,000 years ago. But listen, his blood is as powerful today as it was the moment it dripped from his body and hit the earth. Jesus' blood sacrifice is enough. Shed once, it's enough. The power of the blood of Jesus is the most powerful thing in the universe. And it speaks of better things than the blood of Abel. And it, it speaks to the Father. And so when we're priests, we have to realize that when we go to God the Father in the name of Jesus... We're not going in our own strength or our own righteousness or our own clever prayers. But we're going in the name of Jesus. And behind the name of Jesus is his shed blood of covenant. This is my blood of the new covenant. That's what Jesus said on the night he was betrayed when he took the wine, isn't it? This is my blood behind every covenant promise of God behind our relationship with God that allows us to boldly go to the throne of grace and to call on him in time of need is the blood of Jesus. It's like, if you're praying to God, why should God answer your prayers? I mean, I'm sure he doesn't say it like this, but can you imagine, you go to God and you're praying and he said to you, well, why should I? Why should I answer your prayers? You don't deserve for your prayers to be answered. Why should I answer anything that you ask for? Well, the answer would be, I come to you in the name of Jesus. But not just the name, behind the name is the blood that was shed. It's the blood, my friends, that makes the difference. Without no shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. This is what the temple taught us. Do you remember on the day on Passover, God said, take the blood of a lamb. Take the blood and apply the blood on the doorposts of your house. And then when the angel of judgment came down, when he saw the blood, what did he do? He passed over because it was Passover. You could have killed the lamb, but if you didn't put the lamb on the doorpost, it wouldn't have availed you. God would have judged you. You take the blood, you apply the blood. The priests had to apply the blood. They had to apply the covenant mechanics, if you like. And that's what we are here as priests. We're here to apply the blood. We're here when we pray in the name of Jesus. We have great confidence if we pray 
that God will answer any pray, praying that we do, sooner or later, if it's in his will. Where is your confidence that God will answer your prayers? Your confidence is in the blood that was shed 2,000 years ago and that was brought into the Holy of Holies, a place not made with hands, but the eternal Holy of Holies where the Father dwells. And so as we begin to pray and intercede, it's important for us because people are praying in the name of Jesus this, in the name of Jesus that, and they're praying. But where does their confidence lie? That God will turn things around for the kingdom of God. That God will visit us with mercy and not judgment. That there's still yet more grace for the city. and still more, that, that, that even in times of trial and difficulty, when it looks like God is not working, what confidence do you have that God will answer your prayer when he's not answering it at that time? The confidence is this. Jesus Christ shed his own blood so that everything that we pray in his Father's will will come to pass. So should God say, why should I answer your prayer? There's one answer, because your son shed his blood, that your kingdom would come and that your will be done. Call me old-fashioned, but I'm an old-fashioned, blood-bought Pentecostal. And I understand that at the back of the covenant word is blood. I understand that we have to, in our own New Testament way, sprinkle the blood once shed 2,000 years ago. And to bring it into remembrance in our prayers. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to cry blood, blood, blood every time you pray. You can go in the name of Jesus, but you've got to be aware that behind the name is the blood. And that without the blood, the name would have meant nothing. Just as without the resurrection, the name would be nothing. But because he's ascended in heaven and interceding for us on the basis of his blood, that when we go to the Father concerning matters, and we use the name of Jesus, and we understand the power of the blood of Jesus to affect God in our prayers, then we are going to go with a lot more faith, a lot more boldness, a lot more confident. When things go well or things don't go well, we'll remain immovable because we're praying in the will of the Father, and it's blood-backed, blood-bought, and blood-appointed. God will answer. Now, Now, when we boldly approach the throne of God in prayer or worship, we go there through the blood of Jesus and in his name. Have you any effect, have you any idea the type of effect that Christ's blood has on his own father? Any idea how the blood of Jesus moves the hand of the father to mercy and grace instead of expected judgment and wrath? I have an only son, just like the father, and his name is Jake. But I wouldn't send him in the world to die for any of you. <laughs> no offense. But I love him a lot more than I love you. Which shows you how much God the father loves us, doesn't he? That he'd send his only son and his son. son. I wouldn't send him to you. But imagine if my son died. I heard that he had died. That would be a terrible thing to go through. But what would be the emotional and psychological effect on me if, if you brought me his coat that maybe had the blood on it when he had the accident and you showed me the evidence of his death? That would be a terrible, terrible, powerful, powerful interaction when you showed me the blood of my own son. What do you think was the reaction to the father when his own son 
bled on the cross, and then one day ascended into heaven and said, Father, here's the evidence. Not a high priest with the blood of a lamb or a goat or a bull going once a year and sprinkling it on a golden uh, lid, but to go in to the Holy of Holies, not made with hands, Jesus himself, and to say, Father, here is the evidence of the fact that I am the sacrifice for the sins of the world. I'm using human language, of course, but so does the New Testament. How do you think the sight of the blood of his son affected the father? It, it must affect him very, very powerfully because that blood is the sum total of the sacrifice of what Jesus did, his love for us, his pain for us, his suffering for us, his death for us. It's the evidence. So when we go to the Father in Jesus' name, and we're talking about great difficult times that we live in, in our personal lives, in our city life, in our national life, and times of great upheaval and times of great judgment, when we go to the Father in the name of Jesus and begin to speak to him of things pertaining to the cross, pertaining to the sacrifice of his son, pertaining to the blood that was shed, what are we doing? It's our priestly ministry. When we go to the Father in the light of the cross, in prayer, in worship, in fellowship, this is our priestly ministry. We're applying the blood that was once shed. You say, all this talk about sacrifice and blood and temples is giving me a headache. <laughs> Let me tell you, this is real. This is real. The things that took place on Calvary, the shedding of blood, the entering into the Holy of Holies of God's own Son, to make intercession for us. Read the book of Hebrews. These aren't shadows. These are the real things that took place. And so when we talk about the altar of your heart, we're talking about the fact that before you're anything else, you're a priest. Here in the passage that we read, it says you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellences of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. In other words, there's a proclaiming aspect here. You know, we are here in London today, the only priests as well as other believers in church that, that London has got. Who's going to intercede for London? Who's going to stand in the gap for London? Who's going to make represent, representation for darkness, dark, the darkness that people are in in London? the rebellion that people are, are in in London. Who's going to go to God on behalf of the lost and plead the blood of Jesus over their lives? Who's going to go to the Father and say, Father, we know they deserve judgment. We deserve judgment. But Father, your son shed his blood for every life in London. The blood was shed for every Christian, every Muslim, every Hindu, every atheist. God died for all people, no matter what religion they come from, no matter what race or tribe or nation. Jesus died for all. And God is looking for someone that's going to go to him on their behalf and plead with him and proclaim him and demonstrate him so that people can understand that God loves them 
and he has a priestly nation on this earth to reach all of the nations. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit and you're a priest. When you spend time worshipping the Lord, you're not just spending time singing songs. Not that you were. It was wonderful worship this morning, but you hear what I'm saying? When you're worshipping, when you're singing songs, you're not just singing songs or you're in your cell group and you're worshipping the Lord or you're, you're, speak, or you're giving thanksgiving to, to, the, to, to God. When we come together and we worship God, it is our priestly ministry. The reason that you have been placed on earth is to glorify the Lord, to minister to Him, to worship Him. It's not lost moments. Some people say, in the busyness of life, I don't really have time to minister to the Lord. You've got it the wrong way around. In the busyness of, the life, in, of, of our lives, ministry is the most important thing. And what you give to God from the secret of your heart is the thing that's most precious to him. The Sermon on the Mount is full of these things. When you give and your uh, left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. In other words, nobody knows that you're giving, but your father who sees what you do in secret will reward you. When you pray and you give your priestly ministry and you shut the door, nobody knows the nights that you've gone to the Lord about issues. Nobody knows the prayers or the tears or the persistence. Nobody knows, but God knows. And what he saw in secret was precious, precious, precious to him. You see, in our day and age, we sort of think, how can I cut corners? Often in the ministry today, in churches today, there is a danger in the Western church that we're so program-orientated what we're going to do next, how we're going to do... We're so, so many... The problem with many Christian leaders today is that they are, they are so obsessed with making an impact that they don't realise that the greatest impact that they are to do is to make an impact on God. You make an impact on God as his priest. You worship, you praise him. Praise that not, doesn't just come from lips but comes from here. Sometimes I know that's a sacrifice of praise. We're looking at the sacrifices, spiritual sacrifices next week. It's what goes on in the temple of the human heart that God is interested in. That's the beginning and end of everything. What's happening in the hidden part of your heart, God is looking. Not what's said and what, not what's done so much as what the state the altar is, in what state of repair the altar is, in the holy of holies of your heart, because that's where all the business is done. In the heart, in the holy of holies, in the altar of devotion. When you're going through difficult times, you take it to the altar. In your heart, you, you give him devotion, the sacrifice of prayers. When you see things that aren't lining up with God's kingdom, where does, it all, where does the temple ministry work? Not in some temple in Jerusalem, but deep down in the deepest part of you. As you take the prayers that are deep in your heart and you take them to the Lord, that's where the work is done. God changes the circumstances, but even more importantly, you are changed. If God came into our hearts in a fresh move of the Holy Spirit, would it be a cleansing of the temple like Jesus did at the beginning and end of his ministry? 
The Holy Spirit is moving in your heart. He's looking for a partnership on the deep part of your heart. He's not interested in surface things, but he's interested in the deep things that come out of a heart because out of the heart come the good things. Out of the heart come the Holy Ghost things. Out of your inmost being, Jesus promised, will flow rivers, rivers of living water. But also out of our heart can come rivers of jealousy, rivers of hatred, rivers of self. God is at work sanctifying and consecrating his people for a great move that he's wanting to come. He is at work in his temples, you. He is at work in his priests, sanctifying and separating them unto him, you. And he is looking for a spiritual sacrifice, you. God has put you here for a purpose. And he needs each one of us. And he needs our hearts to be in a a state of softening. It's not going to happen overnight. But is your heart softer today than it was yesterday? Guard your heart because from it come all the springs of life, the springs of ministry, the springs of intercession, the springs of praise and worship out of your heart. Jesus looks into people's hearts. The state of the heart is everything. And it's the state before God. God is calling us into a deeper relationship with him. Heart to heart. Innermost being to innermost being. Deep calls to deep in the sound of his waterfalls. As in the temple of your body and the temple of your mind and the temple of your heart. God is looking. God can do whatever he wants through whoever he wants. But our role is to open ourselves up to him. Let's stand together. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are God's priest on earth through which he wants to bring reconciliation, mercy and grace. Next week we'll see that you are to give him spiritual sacrifices of praise and worship. And we're just going to spend a little bit of time operating in our priestly ministry. You were doing it earlier, whether you realize it or not. We're going to be priests right now. And what we're going to do is we're going to pray, firstly, for the neighborhood that we live in, the area of London that we live in. If you're a guest here today, why don't you pray for the neighborhood or area that you come from? We're going to pray. We're going to pray as priests because otherwise, who else will pray for our area? Who else will plead with God, the blood, if you like, over that neighborhood? We're the only priests they have. So right where you are right now, I want you to begin. Lord, cleanse us by the blood of Jesus today. Wash us. The things that we shouldn't have done, we've done. Forgive us. And the things we should have done that we haven't, forgive us. The things we said that we shouldn't have said, forgive us. And the things we should have said that we didn't take time to say, forgive us. And we as your priests enter by the blood of Jesus into the Holy of Holies, to the throne of grace. There's literally, literally right next to us, spiritually speaking. We come to you as priests on behalf of our neighborhoods, our neighbors and the houses and the shops and the area just where we live. Right now, I want you to ask God's mercy on that area if you know your neighbours pray for them right now the people you see down the street maybe you haven't said hi to them yet the shopkeepers people that get on the buses and the tubes pray 
you need to open your mouth to pray. So you need to pray. You need to speak. Speaking to the Father in the name of Jesus. And you're speaking on behalf and you're praying. That's right. Bless them. Ask God to have mercy upon them. They have no idea. They can't pray for themselves. Pray for them. Ask God's glory to come. Ask God's mercy to operate in the neighborhood. Ask God's presence to come. Priestly ministry. We come in Jesus' name and by his blood. It's God's will to visit with mercy and grace. Ask for it. Go ahead. I'm going to leave you for a few moments. Make sure you verbalize. Don't be shy. No one's listening to you. Verbalize. Speak to the Father. Pray and God will hear. You're the only priest your neighborhood has got. Holy Spirit, fill us that we might pray in the Spirit. That's not praying in tongues, but Holy Spirit, let there be a flow in the words that we speak. Speak it out into the atmosphere. Mercy and grace, salvation, visitation in your neighborhood. Dreams and visions, opportunities and divine appointments. Speak them, pray them. Ask the Father in the name of Jesus for them. That's right. Pour it out. 